Thanks for listening to the Best of the Doug Gottlieb Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time. That's 12 to 3 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Doug Gottlieb Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. This is the best of the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Boom! What up, America? Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Hope you're having a great day. The Doug Gottlieb Show broadcast live today. Today we're in uh, T-Town, Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Welcome in. Hope you're having a great day. Hope you're ready for a great show. Um, I saw this and, you know, last night was weird. It was really, really weird where, you know, we uh, were sitting there watching the national championship game play out. Can you hear me? Okay, there we go. I was having problems with my feedback there. Um, so we're watching the national championship game last night. And look, the, the, the first thing that was on my mind was that you know, the quarterback play wasn't great in the first half and that there was uh, overwhelming speed and athleticism defensively. And, of course, it's a great story. And uh, Georgia wins in the fourth quarter. Georgia wins the national championship. Georgia finally overcomes their nemesis. By the way, congrats to Dan Beyer. He had it picked right. Also, Joel Klatt, he had it picked right. I had it picked wrong. Georgia's your national champion, which I actually believe Georgia was the best team. I think I said repeatedly yesterday, Georgia, and throughout the year, Georgia was the best team. It's just, look, until you can beat Alabama, you can't claim the throne, right? You can't claim, what is it, 14 in the last 15 years? Alabama's either won the title or lost to the team that won the title. It's, it's craziness to overall levels of dominance. And I'm actually broadcasting from Coleman Coliseum, which is the home of their basketball arena. I got the radio call of Auburn versus Alabama tonight in basketball. All right, enough of that. Let's get to football, which you really came here for. Can, can we just can look, I love the big 12. I played in the Big 12. My alma mater, obviously, is in the Big 12. So this isn't a, a anti-Big 12 statement of, of any kind. N- not even a little bit. Okay? Um, but what it is, is the reality. Pac-12, Big 12, Big 10, ACC. I don't know how many years you have to see the same thing on repeat before you go like, hey, you know, they seem to be a little bit better than we are. And and my my take on this has been continues to be not not there, there's a there's a litany of things to it. You know, there's the movement of America to the south. There's how football is viewed nationally, how football is viewed regionally. It's the level of financial investment uh, from from some schools as opposed to others. All of these things go in line with the fact that the SEC is, in fact, better at football. They have better players than the other conferences. 
And I think they have pretty good. I think Kirby Smart's a really good coach. I think Nick Saban's a really good coach. But but I I remember the story that a friend of mine told me about Nick Saban when he got the job, right? And that story was that when Nick Saban got the job, he was he was quoted as saying like he got on the the plane, they go to fly to go recruit, and somebody on the plane said, "Hey." We just got the best coach in America, and he said, no, you got the best recruiter in America. The idea is that even Nick Saban, as great a coach as he is, understands that in that sport, most games are won and lost before the ball is ever kicked off. Isn't that a crazy thing? But the truth is, that's a lot like business. You know, I, I'm, a, I'm a big believer in the college experience. I am a big believer in the college experience. And there's all different parts of the college experience which are important. But to me, it's the social jujitsu. It's understanding time management and understanding how to work with people and how to get things done and group assignments. You're going to have guys or ladies that bail on you. Or maybe you're the guy that bails on everybody else for, for, for group work, whatever it is. Last night you learned, if you hadn't already learned, Okay, that most games are won in college football before the game is actually kicked off. Right. In, in, in basketball, they say the sins of summer, summer are paid for in the winter. In football, I just say, look, the, that game was most games that Georgia plays, that Alabama plays, are over before it kicks off. This show is brought to you by one of our favorite cities, Las Vegas, the greatest arena on earth. Plan your trip today at visitlasvegas.com. Did you guys see Stetson Bennett this morning? It was amazing. He was on Good Morning America, and he looked he looked like he had just put down his last beer. He looked like he had just gotten a uh, – he had been – he wasn't in New Orleans. He was in Indy. He had just gotten a set of beads wrapped around his neck. Here's Stetson Bennett in a post-game interview about winning it with Georgia. So many times they tried to recruit over you. You thought about leaving, but you stuck around. Why? Because I love this place. I love this team. I believe in myself. I think I'm the best quarterback. And I just love everything about this place. And I want to win a national championship here. He also said this about his motivation in playing better in the second half. I knew that once I fumbled the ball, I was not going to be the reason we lost this game. But, you know, it is the thing that Coach Smart and the whole team have been preaching the whole year. Resiliency, toughness, composure, connection. I knew that those guys beside me had my back, and I had their back too. It's a pretty cool thing, right? And as much as those games are won in recruiting, here's the guy that was uh, first a recruited walk-on, then went to JUCO, then came back and was given a scholarship. But the truth is they were quarterback upon quarterback in front of him. He's the one who ends up being the quarterback that, that wins the national title. Here's Kirby Smart asked about Stetson Bennett after the game. If someone had told you five years ago that Stetson Bennett would lead you to a national championship on offense, what would you have thought? I would have thought, hell yeah, we won a national championship. I mean, I'd have been pumped. Uh, five years ago, he was delivering passes like Baker Mayfield uh, against the scout team. And, you know, we all, <laughs> there's a lot of guys that saw him on that scout team make plays with his feet, uh, his arm whip, and decision making, and we were very impressed. But, again, to think that it would come this far from – that national championship he was a part of in there to this one, man, what a what a what, what, what a story. Here's Nick Saban talking about his team not finishing. 
I just feel really poorly that we didn't finish the game better than we did uh, in the fourth quarter because we played a heck of a game against a heck of a team. Uh, everything that this team had to overcome to get to this position to have uh, an opportunity to win the national championship, we just didn't finish the way we needed to finish. Here's what Saban had to say about losing to uh, his longtime assistant, Kirby Smart. We had to lose a national championship. I'd rather lose one to one of the former assistants who sort of did a great job for us and has done a great job with his program and his team. And uh, if any te- team deserves, they deserve it. They played great all year. Uh, we were the only team to beat them in the SEC championship game. Here's Bryce Young, the young quarterback, the Heisman Trophy winner, taking responsibility for losing the game. We worked tremendously hard uh, and for the guys around Guys around me, they all work super hard, and you know I don't, I don't feel like they deserve this. So that's something that you know I have to I have to take for them, and and I'm just I'm just proud of my guys. Um, love my guys, everyone on both sides of the ball. I just wish I could have been better for them tonight. Check out the latest lines in the world of sports. Betters Sportsbook. Betters is the trusted name in online sports betting. Got to be 21. Present in Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, or Pennsylvania to play. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. I Man, I, I think the. Look, I'm, I'm watching that game, and you're wondering why Bryce Young is unable to put the ball in the end zone, right? They got in the red zone so many times and were inefficient in there. And when I'm, I'm left walking away with his, Georgia just has so much more speed, athleticism, and, and then the size up front of, of the athletes is ridiculous. Ridiculous. We can argue about some other teams and who you want to have play in. But anyone who watched that game was like, my God, we can't, we can't beat that. We we can't beat that. We can't beat that. And, uh, you know, in, in many ways it's institutionalized. It's everybody is on board. That's what it takes. You know, a couple years ago when, um, when, Texas A&M, okay? Texas A&M goes out and you know they they hire they hire the sitting head coach at Florida State, right? They go and hire Jimbo Fisher, who had won a national title a couple years previous at at Florida State. And when Jimbo Fisher got the job, he essentially said that like I'm I'm kind of paraphrasing now, right? In order to win, you have to have everybody pull in the same direction. And the idea was at Florida State they were not. Like look, those programs that win in the SEC. There's a reason that they win. There's a reason that they're better. You know, from organizing and raising money for facilities, for coaches, and now for NIL stuff which is you know, it's buying players, whatever. I mean, it just is. That that that's completely legal now within the rules. The support of fans, like, look, look, does it win you a game when your spring game is sold out? No, it doesn't win you one single game. But every kid in America turns on the TV, like, dude, they got a sellout for their spring game. You got guys in the you got litany of guys in the NFL. The amount of team speed and athleticism, uh, obviously the strength and conditioning is ridiculous. Like, they're good for a reason. And they're going to be good for a reason. It is hilarious, though, that the guy who's at the helm, who's the trigger man, is the guy that even they were like, ah, I don't know if we want him. That's the beauty of sport, right? 
It's the beauty of sport. It does take everybody to win. And even within all of the litany of four and five stars and guys that are going to go to the league, and Stetson Bennett probably never plays a down of football in the National Football League. Even with all that, sometimes you need a guy who just gets better and better and is tougher than a $2 stake and gets the ball to where it needs to go and every once in a while pops a big throw and just has just has something about him. It's also something about the quarterback position now. The quarterback position is not all about tangibles. There is an intangible quality, and Bennett has that. It's a fun night to watch. Fun night to watch. Sloppy first half. Defensive dominated the first three quarters. Georgia better. Obviously, some terrible injuries, especially on the uh, terrible injury on the uh, on the Alabama side. But the best team won, and they won because of the overall investment of everybody on board. And it's the reason that Alabama's been good for so long. Yes, you got to have the right coach. Yes, you got to make the right selections with quarterbacks. You got to get a little lucky. All of those things, but you got to be pulling the same direction. And then those those stories of guys that just get better and better, and the unification of a team is amazing. I mean, it, it's like we can sit here and deny the SEC thing, but you'd be dumb. It's just, you know, that's like sitting there going like, well, the Patriots, this with the division and that, like, or they were awesome for 20 years with Tom Brady. They were awesome. Brady was awesome. Belichick was awesome. They were awesome. That's the SEC over the last 20 years. That's what it is. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Doug Gottlieb Show rolls on Fox Sports Radio. Let's welcome in Chris Sims, Football Night in America. Chris, you're watching on on Sunday. Um can you fathom any way, can you give any logical reason why Brandon Staley would go for it in the first half at his own 18-yard line, fourth and two? No, I have no idea. That's one of my problems with Brandon Staley, certainly. Like, hey, I, I think he's got a creative defensive mind, you know, even though they struggled on the defensive side of the ball this year, which wasn't great for him. But I don't know if they necessarily have the personnel there that fits his system yet. You know, offense, of course, no toughness in the running game. But, yeah, to go for it at that point, again, I know we're in this new age of analytics and all that, uh, but there is more to than, than, than analytics to this football game. And to be in a 17-14 game at that point, too, at a, at a point where you go, wait, the end of the first half, our offense and, and Justin Herbert looked really good. The Raiders didn't do a whole lot offensively in the first half. I mean, they had the field goal drive. They had the short field off the turnover. I just don't understand, you know, the decisions in those moments throughout the year. There's a number of them we can look back at. The Chiefs game, of course, we can go back to that, too. I know the analytics say to go for it. But, you know, at the time, the Chiefs being the hottest defense in football and nobody scoring touchdowns, did did the analytics take that into account? So I just think there's more to it sometimes than the numbers, and that certainly didn't help out their situation on Sunday night. No question about it. Okay, so let's get to the, uh, the end of the game in overtime. Right. I think it's as Collinsworth making a much ado about nothing. And I, I know you guys work for the same company. I, I'm, I'm not one of these guys that hops on Collinsworth, but I think he wanted that tie so bad. Did he think, <laughs> did he think the Raiders were going to take a knee? They were in a shotgun. They weren't taking yeah. a knee. They were running the football, no, no. weren't they? I'm with you. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you there. They're going to run the ball to the left side out of the shotgun formation. 
You know, they had already run it on a similar play, the same type of look, the play before for seven yards. It looked like everything I've watched on film. The back was set back a little farther than the quarterback. All the tells that they were going to run it there once again. So, yes, they weren't just going to go, oh, kneel it and let the clock go out. Absolutely not. I do think people are making a bigger deal about this timeout than, than they should be. You know, the Raiders were going to run the ball there no matter what. And then they were going to gauge how many yards they got. And if it was, okay, we get eight or ten yards, and now we're 46, 47, 48-yard field goal, we'll kick the field goal and try to win the game. And people might go, well, why risk even trying to kick the field goal? Why? Because at that moment when you have a chance to win the game, the risk is – lesser than the reward there. The chances of it being blocked and return for a touchdown are very little, especially from a 40-something yard field goal. And then you add on to the fact that the Raiders got to look big picture there. You want to win the game so you're not the number seven seed and have to play a Chiefs team that you know you don't match up well against. So that's why you go for the win once you gauge, hey, we got enough yards there. Hey, if they didn't get any yards, they got stuff on that play after the timeout. They probably would have knelt on it the next play after that. And the game would have been over and it would have been a tie. But once they got those 10 yards there, I think they reassessed the situation and said, let's go for it. We'd rather play the Bengals than the Chiefs. And I know people are going to go, well, the Bengals won 31 to 13. Game's very misleading. It was 16 to 13 with five minutes left in the football game. Very close the first time around. Raiders match up much better against the Bengals than they do Chiefs, and uh, that's my two cents there. Sorry to talk so long, everybody. No, you're fine. You're fine. We have you on to talk. That's 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 the whole, okay, whole thing. We have you on because <laughs> your opinion does, in fact, matter. Um, how much should concern we should have with the Rams? Not just they gave away the game, but once again, Stafford makes a big mistake. Yeah, uh, he's he's the million dollar question. And I, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a defender of Matthew Stafford. I always have been. You know, I love his talent, certainly. But it does seem like the pressure of expectations has gotten to him to a degree. No, listen, he played better last week. There's no doubt. The last interception of the game, that was bad. It really was. I mean, Odell was gone. He just he, he underthrew it by 10, 15 yards. You know, the other jump ball, I think it was a third and long situation. It ended up being kind of de facto punt. But, yes, I think between Stafford, not, not in the trust tree right now, because the Rams kind of have it going in all ways. The run game's been pretty good down the stretch. Defense has got it going. Special teams is good. It's Stafford's inconsistencies that are certainly the scary thing about the Rams. And the 49ers are a tough matchup for them. This is a year about the matchup. You know, the 49ers, so they don't, they, it's, it's never going to be easy for, against, the, against the 49ers as far as the Rams are concerned. But, yes, Stafford and, you know, those three or four very questionable decisions we've seen almost every week down the last six, seven weeks of the season uh, are certainly, you know, something I'll be looking for when they play the Cardinals this weekend. All right, that's the voice of Chris Sims. He's joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show here on Fox Sports Radio. Uh, I like the Niners against the Cowboys. Who, who, what's, yeah. the, what's the road upset that you like? Ooh, that would be one of them for sure. I mean, the, the 49ers, I, you know, again, this is a gear you know, to the point I just made. It's about the matchups. There's no great team in the NFL this year. It, it is weird. And, you know, we can use Sunday night as a gauge. You go, oh, the Chiefs, they have to play the Chargers? It's going to be a coin flip game. The Chiefs have to play the Raiders? They're going to blow them out. I mean, it's that type of year throughout. I do think the 49ers match up with the Cowboys uh, in a lot of good ways here. 
You know, first off, Shanahan, you know, going to know Dan Quinn's offensive, defensive system, excuse me. He's going to know the tricks there. Shanahan, I believe, way more creative than Dan Quinn on the other side of the ball there. So that's advantage Shanahan of the 49ers offense. You know, I look at the other side of the ball and go, Cowboys, you know, last weekend did nothing for me to make me think, oh, wait, their offense is back. You know my concerns. They're an overrated offensive line. They're not very good at running the ball. I don't think that's going to change this week against the 49ers. Can you beat the 49ers by attacking their corners on the outside? That's going to be the big thing. Can Dak just go, hey, Amari Cooper, you're better than Mosley. We're going to throw a 20-yard out route. I'll put it on the money. Will they do that? The 49ers are the type of team, though, that will go, we'll play cover two and protect our corners and call your bluff and just see if you can actually run the ball on us that way. And, and then they'll adjust from there. But I think out of all the road teams, yes, the 49ers are the team I look at. Out of all the wild card teams in general, the five, six, or seven seeds, the 49ers are the team I look at to be, ooh, watch out, that's the one wild card team I look at that has a legit Super Bowl chance and a Super Bowl caliber team. Um, the Browns are coming out saying Baker's still their guy. Do you believe that's actually the case? I, I do believe it's the guy. He is the guy, and that's you know, unless something just totally obvious hits them in the face, right? You know, maybe there's a deal for Russell Wilson to be had that they just go, it's it's the offer's too good to be true. We'll take it, you know, or Aaron Rodgers, which I don't think is going to happen at this point. But you know what I'm trying to say? That type of like, oh wow, we can get him, and it's only going to cost us that. Deshaun Watson. Uh, but but if it's not just something absolutely the grass is greener on the other side there, then I do think they'll stay with Baker. He is the number one pick. We've seen little snippets of good play from him, you know, and I will say this. I defended him in the fact that, again, there's another pass offense that I think is, is really elementary in a lot of ways, Doug. So, uh, you know, hey, do they open up the competition maybe a little bit between Case Keenum in the offseason a little bit more or bring somebody else in to light a fire under Baker Mayfield's butt. Hey, do what you got to do. I just know I wouldn't pay him the long-term contract, and I do believe that you know that they will make him the guy, like I said, unless something else just crazy just flies in their face. Chris Sims, our guest on the Doug Gottlieb Show here on Fox Sports Radio. Who's the team to beat in the AFC? Oh, <laughs> you know, I... I I, I toss. I'm between Kansas City and Tennessee there in that conversation. I am. You know, Kansas City. I have my concerns still, but I guess I look at them and go, "Hey, they are physical. They've battle tested and been in this situation a lot. They still have arguably the best player in football at quarterback playing for their football team. You know, so I do look at that and go, "Man, that's a that's a big advantage." The Titans are a team that getting no respect as a number one seed. It's not going to be sexy or pretty. But can they go to the Super Bowl going 20-17 to 17 in the divisional round and then 24-21 in the AFC Championship game? Absolutely. The Titans have no – there will be no team that, there are, that mismatches them. I think that's what's different about them maybe than the rest of the AFC. You know, they're coached well on both sides of the ball. Their offense and defensive line – will never be overmatched against any team they play in football. So that's a great advantage. If they have their receivers healthy, Doug, you know, and, and we know Derrick Henry comes back, watch out. But as long as A.J. Brown and Julio Jones are healthy, I still think their run game is good enough to go along with those two receiver and Tannehill throwing the ball where they can still be a pain in the butt on the offensive side of the ball and get to the Super Bowl. 
Chris, uh, happy new year. Great job this year with Football Night in America. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk soon. Thanks, buddy. I'll talk to you. Have a good week. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Uh, a lot of things I want to get to here. Check out the latest lines of World of Sports at Betterers Sportsbook. Betterers is the trusted name in online sports betting. Got to be 21. President in Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, or Pennsylvania to play. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER. Let's get to what the Fox says. And now. <laughs> what does the Fox say? Every day at this time of the Doug Gottlieb Show, we play for you a portion of a previous show on Fox Sports Radio, Fox Sports 1. We call it What Does the Fox Say? This is Brady Quinn. This is Brady Quinn talking about Georgia's quarterback, Stetson Bennett. I think voters like it. He played tough. He played scrappy. He took off and ran at times. I think when you look at what Bennett did at the beginning of the game, where he takes a 14-yard sack, they, they, he ends up scrambling, somehow fumbles the ball when no one was around him, and it just so happens the ball bounces <laughs> right back to him. And then he gets a delay of game. It was like, oh, this could be bad. Like This could be a, this could be a bad night for Georgia Bulldog fans. Um, but, but then he slowly started to get more comfortable, and I think as the defense defense stepped up and you realized it wasn't going to be a shootout. It wasn't going to be Stetson Bennett having to just throw the football 50 times. You started to, you started to go, okay, like if they hang around in this, Betson just has to, Stetson Benson just has to make a couple plays. And he did in the end to help them win. Yeah. I mean, look, I think Stetson Bennett was nervous. You know, I think it was a good sign of nerves. He looked very much to start the game like the walk on quarterback. Right. That's what he looked like. And then he took a breath. He relaxed. He found himself. And in the second half, he, he made just enough plays. And we'd also be smart to point out you have a terrible uh, you have a terrible injury with Alabama. Uh, they're, they're basically without wide receivers by the end of the game. You know what? Maybe the most under discussed element, the most under discussed element in the win for Georgia Okay, is what does the future look like for college football as we continue to want to play more games? The more games you have, the more you're going to have injuries like this. The more games, the more injuries, the less guys you're going to have healthy. And the talent is very spread out already. I think it'll continue to be spread out. I just, I don't know, I, I fear that, that uh, the way college football is going, we're going to end up with guys – you know, just not enough healthy bodies. That's really kind of what it comes down to. That's what the Fox said. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. What up, Doug Gottlieb Show? Fox Sports Radio. Hope you're having a great day. The Doug Gottlieb Show broadcasting today from Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Beautiful day, by the way, in Tuscaloosa. I'm sure it's beautiful in Athens, Georgia as well, where the dogs are coming home with the national championship that so many, myself included, thought would uh, would belong to the Tide today since it seemingly always belongs to the Tide. But that not the case because Ed Lee Corso always says not so fast, my friends. Sure. Check out the latest science world of sports. Betters Sportsbook. Betters is the trusted name in online sports betting. Must be 21. President Colorado, uh, Illinois, Indiana, or Pennsylvania. Play gambling problem called 1-800-GAMBLER. There's a, 
There's a piece out in the Miami Herald about why Brian Flores was let go as head coach of the Dolphins. Because based upon, I don't know, I mean, look, I was told he's been the head coach for, what, four years now? And if you go back to the year before he was hired, he interviewed for a couple of jobs. And I talked to some people, like I talked to some NFL personnel people that year, I remember. And they were like, you know, I'll give you a name of a guy who's going to be a head coach. He's just not ready yet. He's not ready yet is uh, Brian Flores. I was like, really? Like, yeah, he's the defense, going to be the defense coordinator of the Patriots. They had a good year. They went to the Super Bowl. They won the Super Bowl. Um, he, I remember the Patriots defense was turned around dramatically there at the end of Tom Brady's run. And Flores taking over was a good portion of at least one of the reasons why. Belichick obviously specialized in defense. It's sort of his side of the ball, yada, yada, yada. So I, I, I've always, you know, kind of, it's like it's like the girl when you're growing up that you always had a crush on, right? Like Halle Berry, right? I've always kind of had a thing. Always kind of had a thing for Brian Flores. So when his name was, when he was fired, and remember they got hot at the end of the year, we pointed out that their schedule was a joke at the end of the year, right? Like you, you, you beat the Ravens who didn't make the playoffs and the Ravens were on a Thursday night after a tough Sunday night game. And they had they had a lot of they had a ton of injuries this year, you know. You beat the Jets, so you beat the bottom of the league. Um, and then at the end of the year, you end up getting a win over the Patriots, but you're you're again not playing the Patriots starters. But but this is from the Miami Herald. Even though we were all surprised, we had I had heard others had heard of a rift between he and Chris Greer, their um, their general manager Flores was essentially, again, this is from the Miami Herald's piece, running the Dolphins building, according to a source of direct contact with Dolphins management. But he wanted even more control, the source said. He wanted the authority to formalize, to eliminate the contract the contract annoyance of general manager Chris Greer, having final say on the draft and free agency. Uh, there was a CBS report that Flores preferred Herbert over Tungavailoa, Flores has told NFL people he's a height, weight, speed guy, which led to speculation that he preferred Herbert. But a league source insisted that both Greer and Flores were both on board with picking Tua, who was Ross's preference. Ross didn't order them to pick Tua, however. Uh, there's a lot to get into. I mean, like, Justin Herbert's clearly better than Tua. I, I think even the Chargers would have missed on that one if they were in position. But that is what leads to people wanting to fire other people. A close associate to multiple young Dolphins players complained that he doesn't understand dealing with men. I, I, I will say that some of this is par for any sort of course of any sort of discipline-oriented coach. And remember, this is a guy who is young and you would think is very relatable. Either, one, this is the players, or two, this is kind of a him imitating Belichick sort of issue. One veteran player complained that Flores would pass him in the hallways and never say hello, never acknowledge his presence. He asked a friend why he wanted to work in a place like that. John Ramos, what business is, is Brian Flores in? What a business like head coach of a football team? What business is he in? He's in the NFL. He's in the football business. No, he's not. 
He's not. He's in the player personnel business. No, he's not. Okay, I'm over two. He's in the people business. People business. Okay. That's it. The job that I'm in, I'm in the people business. You have to. And look, I say some things that rattle some people that I, there's no question. I, I think that one of the things that happens when you're in my position is you try and you say things and people don't actually hear them. They hear what they want to hear. Okay. And you'll get called names or whatever. But generally, if you listen to the show, you're like, all right, you can relate to many of the things in my life and way I think and things I see. You can disagree with my takes. That's that's part of the gig. Part of the gig. When you're running a radio station, you're not in the radio business. You're in the people business. When you're running a liquor store, you're in the people business. Customers, people who are below you. When you're in pharmaceutical sales, as many of you are who drive around and listen to the show, you're not in the pharmaceutical sales business. You're in the people business. And there's no business more people-oriented than coaching. And I think what Flores is running into is uh, that whether he became arrogant, sometimes you can be perceived as arrogant because you're younger. Ryan Rosillo is a good friend of mine, and he used to say this all the time. He was in his 30s when he finally got to ESPN. That guy is a grinder. He's got an unbelievable personal story. And he used to, I we used to joke about like when I first got there, things I would say would be a firestorm at ESPN. And part of it was I was 26, 27 years old. If I was 45 years old saying the exact same thing, I would be, it would be viewed differently. So I, I would give him not a pass, but an understanding that when you're younger, right, when you're younger, when you're new at this, Everyone is going to take anything you say as, oh, he's arrogant, he's full of himself because everybody's complimenting him and telling him how great he is. There's a possibility that's true. You have to know that. You have to navigate that. You have to be willing to understand that. Okay? Chris Greer, just, he'd had enough of this dude. Chris Greer had been there for, has been there for 20 years. He's got a working relationship with the owner. He's non-confrontational. You got to know all these things if you're, you know, if you're uh Flores. You just do. He's not in the coaching business. He's in the people business. And his inability to manage up and on some levels manage down is ultimately what led to his dismissal. Doesn't mean that he can't coach. Doesn't mean that he's a terrible guy. Doesn't mean that he won't get another job. It's one of those things that you you probably you understand why most of these guys who get fired go back and take a year off or take a year to rethink, you know, and and to be different. Sometimes they take a coordinator position. Sometimes they go to Alabama and become an analyst. All of these things are on the table for him. But it doesn't matter if you're a doctor, you know. Doctors now are taught more about their bedside manner than actually learning about being a doctor because that's as big a part of being a doctor as anything. Coaching is not about how much you know. It's about can you get everybody to buy in on 
what we started the show with, talking about everybody pulling in the same direction. It's not about the smartest guys in the world don't always make the best coaches. It's one of the reasons that Kobe Bryant could never be a great coach. Because Kobe, though he became more liked at, at the end of his career and then revered after he retired, Kobe was a guy who was really hard to get along with, hard to be around. Because not everybody was wired like him. Just the truth. And he didn't have time for guys that didn't have this type of uh, almost maniacal work ethic. Kobe was also, I mean, like, let's just be honest, a bit of a selfish basketball player. I'll do it myself. And that's what Flores is doing. Like, you have to, you have to do the inception thing, right? Instead of demanding that you take over everything, you got to make it somebody else's idea where at some point Chris Greer and Stephen Ross come up to you and go like, hey, what do you think about running everything? Because when you try and take it yourself, uh, obviously there's other guys with longer standing, better relationships with the owner, and it leaves them the possibility of getting you fired. And, And don't be surprised if you wanted to brush aside Chris Greer, end of the day, Chris Greer is going to be a survivalist. And in this case, his best move is to get rid of the guy who wanted to get rid of him. But Brian Flores forgot the number one rule of business. That's that every business is, in fact, the people business. And how you manage up, how you manage down, that's more important in terms of their personalities and how they perceive you than, than your performance ever could be.